Hello ladies and gentlemen, my name is Jake Kerr and I'd like to welcome you to the 75th episode of the Black Ink Podcast. Now today, I've reached this uh, job of mine that I need to get done, which is recording a podcast in about the middle of the day, which if you're an avid listener of the podcast, you might know that I typically like to get it done in the morning while my brain is still firing, but now that I'm coming into the new year, as I believe everyone is probably in the same situation, I'm coming to realize that I have so many more jobs that I'm going to get done in one week, in the first week of the year. So I'm just, realistically, I think what I'm doing is I'm just taking all of my jobs and making sure that whatever I'm doing, that the next five minutes is perfect. Because if I worry about all these things that are just piling up and trying to prioritize these things that seem to seemingly have the same amount of priority as each other, I end up just getting no work done because you you get everyone knows what it feels like to kind of get log jammed between two jobs and not knowing which one to start. And of course... You always put those, there's always those jobs on the list where you're like, ah, that can be done tomorrow or even next week, or I could even not do that at all. So sometimes it's easier to start with those jobs and get them out of the way. Like I had to call my fucking super provider the other day because they've canceled my insurance on the super because they've been inactive for so long. Because, you know, self-employed, don't pay super, barely pay myself, you know. But one thing that you, you have to do is figure out like they send you these letters in the mail and like I don't know about you but it seems to be there's all of these letters that you seem to get from like insurance companies and like superannuation and uh, what's another good one even like your, your, your private health insurance they'll send you a letter that's four pages long and you literally like try and break down the reason they sent you the letter it's never in like the opening sentence and like you read the whole thing through and you're like I get that you've sent me information but I have no fucking idea what you're trying to tell me and like this letter was telling me that like my insurance was going to possibly end if I didn't make contributions by a certain date and then even if I did it could be done like through this this and this and then when I called up they're like oh no you're gonna that was just a letter that everyone got sent and like your insurance is going to be covered rah, rah. And then 45 minutes into the fucking phone conversation you realize that I never had insurance to begin with and I shouldn't have even been sent the letter dude your mind fucked me you know what i mean and that's just one of those jobs that's in the middle of the list and has been in the middle of the list for probably three weeks so yeah trying to find like i think obviously when you summarize your abilities as someone who's in my position like a small business owner or entrepreneur realistically your skill set actually comes down to a few simple things it's like your ability to prioritize and execute uh, your ability to socialize and communicate and also like your sensibility when making all of those decisions. It's not really any one specific area. It's like these general kind of, um, what would you call them, skills, I guess, that you kind of get better and better at making. And like I've talked about in other podcasts, the whole skill of making a decision and being able to properly assess situations before you make decisions and like even taking into account, like I read that famous Einstein quote, we'll reread it today, that if he had an hour to solve a problem, he would spend 55 minutes thinking about the problem and then five minutes thinking about the solution. And I think like that's, I mean, I continue to understand what that means in a deeper level the further I get into owning a business. And I think the cool thing about like registering that that's actually a skill that you can get better at is being able to get to these points where you're like, oh, I have to have an uncomfortable conversation or I have to make an uncomfortable decision or I just have to make a decision whether I'm gonna go left or right in this particular avenue of business. And you can face it with more confidence going like, well, I'm actually at the moment in the process of being a businessman. And it's easy to forget that. And I think this structure applies to a lot of things. You forget that in the middle of doing something that you are actually that person. If I can use a similar analogy, I remember when I used to speed skate, I always felt like I was an imposter, like I was someone who was just kind of along for the ride, that all the other boys and girls that were doing it, they were proper speed skaters. But I was a phony. 
I had on the skin suit and I had on the, you know, had my legs shaved and I had my fucking speed skates on. I had my helmet on. I had race numbers and every now and then I would even win. But the majority of the time, like you know, before I moved overseas, especially for it, before I started kind of doing really well, and I felt like I was just an outsider who was doing the thing. And then when I look back and I, I look at the photos that I was in and I look at me doing the damn thing, even though now I look back at it, I know that I was still pretty technically bad at skating, but that's a whole other podcast. I realized that even though I felt a particular way, from the outside looking in, everyone just saw a speed skater. And I think in this position that I'm in, it's easy like, I mean, as much as I take myself very seriously, I mean, there's only a certain amount of seriousness you can take yourself when you just kind of elected to go off the normal path and go start this business in a really kind of unique yet not that unique way. I feel like I can definitely just paddle around in the waves or I can make a concentrated effort to aim somewhere and get better. And part of the like, yeah, I think part of that whole, not even rationale, like the ability to to see that like within that whole thing, as it's all happening, there are things that don't look like the indicators that you're looking for when you're like kind of in it. So I'm getting caught up on my words. What I mean is like at the moment, like if I'm faced with a particular decision that I don't want to make or a particular activity that I have to get done for my business to move forward. And I like, I go like, oh, you know, it's not that attractive. It's not that fun. It's not that sexy. It's not the part of the business that I enjoy doing or that I like. You have to remember that, but this is the part of business that people talk about. This is the part that people get to and then they do exactly what you're doing is stop or put it off. They don't focus on it like it's as important as everything else. So I really like am taking this time to realize like, right, you're overwhelmed. There's a lot of things to do. This is a very like identifying pinnacle moment almost in a way of like, how do you manage this in this particular situation and appreciate like you're a business while you're young and you're green and all the rest, you're a businessman. You're making decisions like a businessman and appropriately act like a businessman. So when things need to get done, I mean, obviously this comes down to how you see a businessman in your mind. But when I see the sort of businessman in my mind that I'm trying to become, I see someone that doesn't just go like, oh, we'll do that later. I see someone who goes like, no, hang on. What is this? Let's figure this out. Let's get to the bottom of this. Let's understand, I mean, why are we doing this to begin with? If we, if we know we have to get it done, then that, let's get the most efficient way of getting this done as well as providing the most value to the situation as well. But with that said, as I, I mean, the whole purpose of talking about this is I've now got to the middle of the day and I'm just recording my podcast. But what I can say, and this is a really like important thing, a core value that I hold on to, and it's something that I'm trying to make sure that I get better at through repetition and that I I carry it into the next job and away from the last job, is I can say everything that I did, I did with 100% perfection to the best of my ability at that moment. And it's kind of an overwhelming thing to start applying that to your life, but it's definitely addictive once you start applying it and it becomes so comfortable. It becomes so comfortable that you can't do a job incorrectly, knowingly, because you come away from knowing that it wasn't done right. I'm probably going to have to repeat that later. The next time I come to it, it might be a little bit harder than what it has to be just because, you know, one of those situations where 5% more effort now saves 10% extra effort later on. So... You know, addictive, probably seemingly OCD from the outside. And again, you know how your boy feels about labels. I'm not OCD. I'm just fucking good at what I do, you know? And I'm not saying that I ever claim to be OCD. I'm just saying there's a lot of fucking idiots out there who are like, oh, I'm OCD because I like to keep the dash of me car clean. Like, hey, brother, brother, brother. Anyway, enough about that. I'll tell you what, I did have a friend visit earlier today and we got into this topic of conversation. As I was talking to him, I kind of realized this 
bit of information that I've got stored at the back of my mind that I've never really kind of expanded on. And for the sake of a fucking good conversation that you can't respond to, I thought I might investigate it here with you now. So when I consider the ability that I have on Photoshop, which if you're unaware is a photo editing software that is a paid for subscription service uh, by Adobe. And it's like one of the most commonly used photo manipulation softwares around at the moment. I, it may not be the most used, but it's like the most well-known. You can, you can provide most artists or visual artists or whatever with a Photoshop file and they'll be able to do something with it if they're working with it digitally. So basically I knew nothing about Photoshop up until maybe a year and a half ago. And even then, like I've had Photoshop subscriptions in the past and I've had subscription to the other softwares that they provide as well, but I've really never opened them and never used them. And I really didn't have any surrounding information about the whole lot. But what I did know was that Photoshop basically had a, a set of tools that you use on a on an artboard. And without getting too technically into it, I understood the structure of what was going on within the program. So last year, I didn't come to a point of necessity as far as needing to have these skills so that I can use them, but I definitely came to a point where it was advantageous to understand how these programs work. So all I did was went on YouTube, got my subscription back, my, you know, what do you call it, your automatic direct debit back from Adobe, and I got these programs, and I started just doing the little bits and pieces that I could. And I still outsource heaps of work to like Fiverr, you know, people who do these jobs really cheap somewhere across, you know, around the world and they send you back the digital file. So it was a lot of work that I still outsource and got done from, you know, Fiverr and things like this. But at the same time, once I got these jobs back from these people, I would then kind of investigate within Photoshop how they did it, what it looks like, you know, how their layers work, basically the whole kind of like process they took to creating that particular thing. Combine that with watching these YouTube videos and giving myself the challenge of like, at one point I was trying to make a new wallpaper every day for Black Ink. So just playing with different digital assets, playing with all the different features and settings and possible tools you could use. And I got to a point where I could pretty much have an idea and get enough of it onto a screen and have enough contacts of people who knew what was going on. Because, you know, you get these... For example, I had YouTube pages that I was really fond of. I really liked the way the person communicated the message or I really like how they displayed the information. And then you would have like online friends who maybe you meet them through Instagram or something through design pages and stuff. I had them. And then I had all the people that I had paid to do designs for me. So I had this kind of community of people that we could bounce off each other when I needed some help or I needed some advice or maybe to fix something up. So I got to a point where I kind of like knew what Photoshop was, right? And in that I think when you, like any of these really big programs, when you kind of understand what it is on a basic level, programs don't change that much. They go program to program to program. They all have a toolbar on one side and maybe even down the bottom, they have a bunch of adjustables up the top. Realistically, if you have the kind of structure of how programs work in your mind, and this can be as simple as knowing how Microsoft Office works, you know? So if you get into a Word document, you know where new is, you know where save is, you know how to go bold, you know how to make your text bigger, you know how to save something, you know how to find help, you know how to change your format of the page. You understand that you can manipulate things within this kind of playground or workspace using all the tools that you've got to advantage and I thought about this I thought how did I get good at this so quickly and obviously you can say Jake you're just fucking super smart okay you're a genius you're born this way you can't help it but I don't think that's the case I think I might have had some preliminary training that I didn't know about or maybe I kind of forgot about and as I was talking to my friend this morning I said you know where all of my basic fundamental training for Photoshop came from? And he goes, no, Jake. And he sat there with suspense, connected eye contact, semi-erect, just begging me to tell him. And I said, you know what? It came from paint. 
It came from when I was fucking knee high to a grasshopper and my parents got this, I mean, at the time it was probably a great machine, but I mean, at this point in time, it's not worth more than $10. Like the screen, the computer, the keyboard, everything. Like it was just, you know, it took like 15 minutes to warm up. At any point you were using it, it had like three fans trying to cool it down. It was great at the time. And it allowed me to do like three things, like play, I think it was like Minesweeper, use paint, and then there was also some games on there that were from memory, like they were pretty bloody rudimentary games, like, you know, they're just like those little kind of skill strategy games sort of thing. They weren't like, you know, anything like GTA. So I thought about, I thought, you know, paint basically set up that those fundamentals of how this works. It kind of allowed me to understand that there's tools that you have this workspace you're gonna work within. And then pretty much like, even though they were really basic tools, all Photoshop is an elaboration of those tools. So where you could just paint before it's like, you know, and I think on paint, you could do a straight line, you could do a spray painted line, you could do a line with a curve. So it had all those options. Well, basically all Photoshop has is options on those options. And as I mentioned, like I've grown up using Microsoft Word. I've grown up using Excel. I've grown up, well, PowerPoint's not so much of a big thing now, but I remember learning the ins and outs of PowerPoint. And I mean, even just recently, I had one of my mentors sit me down and give me a, a spreadsheet that helps me understand my business so much better. And just seeing how you can manipulate Excel in a way that gives you all of these formulas and equations and like being able to, as I mentioned, figure out things about your business. I realized that I'm only probably a good two or three weeks away from proper studying research and like doing case studies or, or like uh, activities on Excel from being able to utilize this in a really powerful way and probably like do away with programs and software that I'm gonna need in the future that are like paid based, which means that, you know, I have to give money to get them in the return, uh, to, to get them in return, where realistically I can just utilize these programs that I already have for free or subscriptions that I already own and can do them within them. And the point that I'm making here is that I only have that background knowledge because all of these softwares are essentially the same thing, but they give you a different output. So obviously Photoshop gives you an image that you want, Excel gives you an, an answer to an equation and a Word document gives you a presentation of a, 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 you know, a document that you can present in a way. And the thing that I realized when I was saying all of this is my mum and dad don't have any of that. I mean, if we take them specifically, my mum has really great detailed uh, understanding of particular programs that she's had to work with in the past. But the, the fact is she had to learn how to do that when she was like probably 30, where I grew up playing paint when I was nine years old, waiting to go home. So my level of like basic understanding of what this is, while the neuroplasticity of my brain was still giving me all of the ability to learn at such a crazy rate, which you have when you're a kid, it's having that set into your mind, this is how like technology basically works. I mean, obviously technology is branching off in so many different ways now, it's hard to keep up on what's going on, but basically these really big, instead of calling them programs or software, like I see them as tools that you understand on a fundamental level out of the gate, right? Out of the gate, that fact basically means that everyone under the age of 30 right now, today, should be making money online. It's crazy to think that we will go and learn these old ways of making income, for me, was driving a truck, is going to be outdated within 10 years. Now, I started learning Photoshop a year and a half ago, which has allowed me to, from there, learn Illustrator and Spark AR, a whole bunch of, all, of things to support my business and even understanding social media on a better level. And this has now allowed me 
to, for example, subcontract myself out to manage other people's social media or to create their digital assets for them. And the crazy part about it is the money that you charge for doing these things is so much more than all those other old skills because the simple fact is no one's taking advantage of it at the moment. And you might say, oh yeah, but you know, I've got heaps of mates that are making money online and all the rest. Hey, there's so much more money to be made. Like that's how simple it is. And I think people that are my age are letting this money pass by them when they don't even understand that the money that they're letting go isn't doing these crazy difficult technical things that they don't understand. And even if they are crazy difficult and technical, it's only through your participation that you're ever going to be able to understand these on such a, a deep level that you can monetize it anyway. And it's one of those things that from day one, you may not be making money, but if it takes me four years to be an electrician, it took me 12 months to build a business on Photoshop. 12 months to build a business on Photoshop. Like, this is the thing. People forget that we have 16 waking hours of every day. I think people don't understand that things are meant to be tough if you're able to do something with it. It's kind of like reading a book is actually insanely hard because you've got to sit there and fucking do it. You can't escape from it. You can't listen to music while you're doing it. You can barely walk at the same time while you're reading a book. You can't have any sound distraction. You actually need to stop and do it. But if you read a whole damn book, you get so much information that you've said to yourself because it's your voice reading those words off the page. It's crazy. And that same level of like commitment can be applied throughout the game. And then if you apply it to this thing that's seemingly subconsciously sitting in the back of our minds that all of us young people know how to do, this simple manipulation of social media, the simple understanding of how these programs work or how a computer functions, people should be taking advantage of this. The thing that blows my mind is that everyone isn't. Like, how is everyone not interested in NFTs and the metaverse and understanding how to like create a brand and do all these things? I mean, for me, 60% of this is still fun, you know? And like, it's, I've made that sound like it's kind of been degrading since a particular point in time. That's not the case at all. I'm just saying, you know, obviously owning a business is tough and it's difficult. And as I said earlier, you have to make decisions. But primarily, this is fun. I'm not doing like shitty work where I'm getting my nails dirty and all the rest. Like I'm having conversations with people. I'm making shirts. I'm learning new activities. I'm learning new skills. And everything, every problem that you have can be solved by Google. It's such a great time to take advantage of it that I... Yeah, I just feel silly not doing it. But yeah, overall, I just I think it's a super interesting conversation to be had. Like I was mentioning uh, to my friend, I said, like when I kind of consider, you know, why my dad say doesn't go out and just you know like do a podcast or you know because this is the thing. I feel like my dad's got some great stories. He he looks like a fucking wild man. He's the sort of bloke that I imagine if you put him on camera, as long as you caught the right wave, you could get a really good audience for him. But the simple like basic understanding of how a camera works and then how you would get that video and edit it just enough like I do, just cut the, the back and the front of it and then having an account on YouTube and then uploading it to YouTube and then coming up with a smart name and making a thumbnail and making sure there's a, a description and then being able to promote that on social media. There's so much that he has to learn before he can do any of that. So as cool as he might be with, with the asset that he already has, which is the stories and the appearance, whatever that might be, X, Y, Z, you know, pretend it's not my dad, pretend it's just someone from that generation. They're coming in with no bullets in the gun and hoping to win a gunfight. And like all the, all us young people are kind of roaming around with like two or three guns that are just like got like full clips in them. And we're like, oh, I think I might just stay broke for the rest of my life. Yeah, I think I might just buy a house because that's the Australian dream. 
Uh, I guess fucking $2,000 a week isn't bad. As long as I can maintain that, I get to pay off all my loans. It's not too bad, you know? Dude, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> That's pretty wild. I should have just cut the fucking podcast off there. Also, I tell you what I am doing this year is... I have no data on this fucking podcast, so like, I really don't know how many people are listening to it and how they're listening to it and where they're listening to it. I don't have enough views to kind of justify any sort of particular decisions that I'm making, but I'll tell you what I am going to do. I noticed that over the Christmas period, between Christmas and about the 3rd of, Dece- uh, 3rd of January, I didn't really post anything. So I didn't post anything on YouTube, uh, you know, fucking Instagram, Facebook, all the shit, right? And I noticed that all of my views went up on all my recent stuff on YouTube which tells me I might be saturating the market of people who are looking for stuff about black ink. I understand it's exceptionally hard to listen to three 45-minute podcasts a week, and I forget that just because I listen to 100 podcasts a week that everyone else isn't doing the same thing. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to stop talking on these podcasts exactly when I stop thinking of things to say. Uh, I think a few times in the past, I've doled it up a little bit to get to 45 minutes. I don't think I've ever released a bad podcast, in my opinion. I think there's good ones and better ones. But I do know personally that I have tried to like chalk things up so that I get to that 45 minute mark. What I want to do is I want to keep these podcasts valuable. If I record two a week, I'm going to post two a week. If I record three a week, I'm going to post three a week. But the simple fact is, I don't want to be Putting, I, I like, I had this rule to be doing at least three podcasts a week, and they need to be at least forty-five minutes long. Now I'm at a point where I have so many thousands of um, minutes listened to me on YouTube. I've got so many views, I've got so many um, subscribers, and I'm making it sound like I have so many. I've got seventy subscribers, and I've got like fucking, I think it's a total of like three thousand views. Well, it might even be like a thousand, dude. It might be fucking five hundred views. I have no idea. I got to the point now where I've got seventy-five podcasts. Right, So I really don't need to prove to myself anymore that the discipline is there to do the practice. Now I just want to hone in on exactly you guys want to hear. So whether that's slightly shorter, more valuable podcast, or maybe that's less podcast posted on a more regular schedule, I don't know. And it's not even one of those things that I can ask you and you can tell me. This is one of those things that like is so habitually set. And I know this because I'm a listener of many podcasts. Like I couldn't tell you what the fucking like... If someone said to me, like, oh, you listen to my podcast all the time, I'm doing two weeks, should I do three a week? I wouldn't know. I'd say yes and still not listen to it. I'm like, we don't know. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to very slowly make changes. I'm going to see how they play out. At the moment, I'm going to record a little bit shorter podcasts. I'm going to see that kind of, see how that sits. But I tell you what, do me a favor. This makes a massive difference. If you are listening to me on Spotify, please go to my page, go to the top right-hand corner. There are three dots. In there, there's some sort of option that lets you review my podcast. If you could go in there, give me five stars and just say, Jake's a fucking, he, he has a podcast, it's Black Ink, he's the fucking man. Say whatever. I thought I was going to come up with something witty on the spot there, but you know, the teleprompter behind the camera didn't come up with anything, so I couldn't say anything. But... If you could get on there and review that, and also if you watch us on YouTube, as per usual, make sure you're subscribed, make sure you're liking all of my videos, make sure you put a little witty comment down the bottom for me, because I know, don't do it for me, do it for the brand, put it in for all the effort that I'm fucking giving, please, I would appreciate it so much, and it does make all the difference, it's a second of your time, it's for free, I'm not going to beg, just fucking do it, alright, that's how it is, just do it, just do it. But that uh, review on Spotify would mean the world to me, so please do do that. Also, just before I sign off, let me tell you about something that I've been getting all these ideas, I'm scooping them in, I'm trying to make a big idea so I know what I'm actually telling you guys, but I finally come up with exactly what's going to happen 
I am about to release the second ever NFT for Black Ink. Now, with this NFT, it's going to cost around a thousand Australian dollars, which is about 0 0.19, 0 0.2 Ethereum at the moment. And I know what you're thinking, a thousand dollars is a lot for digital artwork, but this digital artwork has physical benefits. Now, this year, Black Ink is going to be releasing 20 different teas. These teas are going to be based around like releases every two, three weeks. It times out pretty well for the whole year. Some of these teas even land on holidays. Some of these teas are going to be collaborations with other artists, with other businesses, with local crew, creative minds, everything. So basically, if you own this NFT, right? If you own this digital asset, the Black Ink NFT number two, you automatically own one of each of those teas. Those teas, as they're released, they're going to be sent to you before everyone else, free of charge, free of postage, no matter where you are in Australia, because you own that NFT. Furthermore, each one of those teas are only going to be produced 20 times and they're going to have numerical ID tags on the inside, same as the OPTs, and you get to pick which number you want. So you might just be a bad motherfucker and say, hey dude, I'm gonna buy the NFT, I want all the one of 20 T's. So basically the first T of each of these releases is automatically gonna have your name on it, gonna be wrapped, fucking shipped and arrived, bang on your door, day of release, so that you can be wearing it, bragging about it, you can have it for the event that it's meant for. And you, it's a black ink t-shirt subscription for the rest of 2022. It's a guarantee that you get your size in every tea that gets released this year. And you know what? All for a thousand bucks. And then at the end of the year, when black ink has grown even more in popularity and value, you're going to have the official second NFT of black ink that you can then sell again. And if you're a really smart cookie and you see the long-term projection for black ink being extremely profitable, you may even elect to not wear those t-shirts. If you get every single one of 20 of each of that collection, imagine if 10 year, in 10 years time, black ink has done this every single year for 10 years and you have the first NFT that was part of this and you have every single one of those t's that's part of those collection, what would that be worth? Hmm, I don't know, Sonny Jim. Don't forget, I've also got that NFT number one for sale because I did have a buyer for that. Funny story for this. I had a buyer for that first NFT. And as it turns out, I was waiting. So over, uh, I think it was like October, November, there was this really weird period of time where gassing an NFT was costing like three or $400. It was, a, I don't know, I did get told the cause. I, I think I've even spoken about it on the podcast before. I forget what it was. But the point is, I didn't elect to gas it, which is basically bringing the NFT onto the blockchain because if I gassed it, then that would have meant that I would have had to give that price then to the person buying it, which means if I wanted $100 for the NFT, I had to charge them 400 because it was 100 for the NFT and 300 for the gas. Otherwise, I'd pay 300 for the gas and then only got 100 back. So having the whole, so selling it has cost me $200 and no profit. So I waited, I waited, I waited. And then when I ended up gassing it for $80 or whatever it was, uh, I contacted the person and said, hey, bro, what's up? He goes, look, man, Christmas, New Year. I said, say no more. So that, that NFT is still actually up and available for sale. It is in my Ethereum wallet on OpenSea. If you would like to know more about that, reach out and I will tell you how you can get your hands on it. I'm selling that for next to nothing because at this point, I mean, look, if it lasts another month, I'll probably just hold on to it and say, fuck it. I have the first ever NFT of Black Ink. That was NFT number one. It's called In The Stars. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's no real... I would love to get like a hundred bucks or 200 bucks for it at this point because it's a good little entry level price. I know it's a super valuable thing that someone can own later on. Um, but essentially, I think, uh, you know, it's better off in a, a fan's hands at this point. I mean, look, if you've got a 
spare couple of hundred bucks and you want a little bit of black ink history, I mean, what better? This here is not going to age. It's, it's only going to increase in value and it's never going to lose its validity. That's the whole point of an NFT. It's a digital contract that is harnessed on the blockchain so it can't be fucked with. But anyway, I'm not going to spend another whole podcast talking about it. Dude, I'm probably going to spend like another 10 podcasts talking about NFTs and metaverse and all the rest. I'm so fascinated about it. Like, the thing is like, I'm, I'm, I've got my finger on the pulse in a certain way when it comes to like technology and kind of what's going on. I, I feel like I've got a lot more time to uh, uh, like even just have time to listen to what's going on and hear the conversations that are happening about this technology and understand where companies are putting their attention and their focus on. I have a lot more time to take all that on board and I still have no idea what's going on. So I understand that to your average person, this must be an overwhelming thing to try and understand. And it's kind of like, you know, I think I've used similar analogies before, but it, it is like trying to understand what the internet is when the internet was released, you know, like everyone knows that that video of the news presenters going like so what exactly is the internet and then the dude replies like well it's a it's an email that uh so it's your name and then at and then they're like so is that at or is that an a with a little looper like shut the fuck up you know what i mean like shut the fuck up just wait 10 years and everyone's going to have an email on the internet you know so i do get that understanding at this point it, you know, it's trying to understand Pig Latin if you never heard it before. But the point is, if you keep listening, you will get it. And the reality is, is the world is undeniably going digital. There is no, you know, shade of doubt that this is a direction that we're all taking. I mean, we already kind of live digitally. If I'm on your TV screen right now as you're cooking dinner and you're watching me rant to my phone, we're living digitally. You know what I mean? Like I'm not in your lounge room right now, right? So this is only going to get more immersive. This is only going to get more like fucking visually impressive and, and like sensually impressive in that each one of your senses is going to be overwhelmed by the technology that's going to come in the future that you're not really going to want to have a real life. This is going to be better than everything you've ever experienced. So as far as I'm concerned, I mean, if that's the long shot thing of what's going to happen, I definitely understand with everything that I've spoke about on this podcast that I kind of need to understand the macro right now. You know, like I really need to break down. Okay, I think the first step of that is actually understanding Photoshop. Like from there, it goes to 3D modeling. From there, it goes to creating spaces that people are gonna reside or have fun in or whatever it might be online. So it's like just trying to keep up with these steps as they're happening. And again, appreciating, like this goes back to that, uh, what was it? Um, oh, discipline forgiveness. You know, like going like, hey, 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 I get that you don't know what this is and I get that you don't understand it and that it doesn't make sense right now, but keep getting little pieces of information. Don't beat yourself down about what you do know. What you don't know, don't beat yourself about information that you don't know. You've got to celebrate the pieces that you do know and continue to put them together and then let all that pieces of information turn into ideas and then let, let those ideas have sex and then make new ideas and then let those new ideas be the thing that you apply to what you're doing, which is your business, which is making an NFT that gives people the physical benefits of having a t-shirt subscription to your business for the rest of the year. You understand what I'm saying? I don't think I'm even on topic at this point. I think I just said a heap of things and then said, you understand what I'm saying at the end. Mm. I love how at the beginning of this podcast, I had my timing down really well. I was like spacing out my words well and my sentences well. And I was like full stop, capital letter. And then by the end of it, I just had that like coquette energy where I'm like kind of glaring at the camera, just saying something like, and that's why you got to fucking invest in NFTs, bro. I'm telling you, this is the future. Just like fucking sweat coming off my forehead, a little nosebleed from something, you know, just like intense. 
Anyway, that's all the value that I have to offer today. I hope this podcast has found you happy and healthy and pointed towards light and love. God damn it, be good to your mum, motherfuckers, because I'm out. Yeah!